The views, information, and opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individual and may not represent those views, information, and opinions of the Washington Interscholastic Basketball Coaches Association, known as WIPCA. Welcome, everybody, to the WIPCA podcast. I'm your host, J.C. Alexander, head coach down at Mountain View High School in Vancouver, Washington. I'm joined tonight by my other host, Connie Richardson, over at Graham Kapowson. Connie, how you doing today? I'm doing well. Located in Graham, Washington. Um, this is episode three. Um, and so we jumped on uh, the other day with WIPCA board member Tim Gaby. And tonight we bring in Union High School's leader and head coach, Blake Conley. Blake, how you doing tonight, man? I'm doing well, doing well. Yeah, no complaints on a day when we find out uh, we're probably going to have some high school basketball. So it's a great, great time to do a podcast when you get news like that. Absolutely. And you kind of jumped to it. That was going to be a question we go to later. But, but uh, what was your uh, what was your initial thought when you saw Inslee's uh, announcement? I mean, phase three, I kind of my, my ongoing joke was that phase three was kind of like a, a unicorn or a dragon didn't exist. So you know, we knew we could play in phase three, but we never found out what phase three was. And then, um, so today when we found out, obviously it was really excited. You know, I think all of us were probably went through every coach, you guys, this probably the same. You went through the roller coaster of, of, uh, you know, we're going to have a season. We're not going to have a season. What percent are you at? I went from 10%. One time I was at 70. Then the next week I was at 20. I mean, just all that stuff. We just had an, uh, an emotional roller coaster. So today it was awesome just to kind of see that uh, there's uh, a very, very high chance and, and uh, a great chance that we're going to have high school basketball. And just you think about all your seniors and just your team. And I mean, is it going to be the same? It's not. But at least these kids, the seniors and, and this team that we, we all have get to play together. So just excited for them and excited for the season and kind of a little rush of urgency of like hey we're actually gonna have it this is gonna this is gonna happen i know the running the running joke down here was like you know we were initially supposed to be the first season and then they switched everything for football and then all of a sudden all the football coaches which are our ad's as well were in scramble mode and i was kind of sitting back excited like oh i'm glad i don't have to like figure this out but at the same time it's kind of like now the roles are reversed and we still have to sit here like in a scramble mode to get things kind of ready. Um, even though I thought I was ready for a season to start. So, um, but uh, let's go into it, man. Let's, let's start out where uh, just about yourself. So your playing days, coaching, kind of the journey of Blake Conley, you know, from whenever you want to start that. Sure. So I grew up grew up in Spokane, uh, played for Bill Ayers at Mount Spokane uh, High School. And I mean, I was a very, you know, subpar, mediocre player, point guard who would go, uh, you know, senior year, go a game with one or two shots. We, you know, it was, had a good had a good team and good experience. And uh, but, you know, I just I wasn't I wasn't super good. But I think as a point guard, uh, you know, with playing with some really good players and, and, a, and a coach who knew his X's and O's very well. Um, you know, I, so I learned learned the game a little bit there. And but I didn't have any I didn't have any desire to coach him. Uh, nothing like that after high school. And um, I went to Western Washington University and uh, 
I, you know, like, like many college kids needed a summer job and I uh, didn't want to do a real job. So I worked at NBC basketball camps for, uh, for uh, a summer and doing five weeks of those. I mean, it was exhausting, but it was just awesome. The, the people you, uh, the people you get to be around, the coaches you get to be around, uh, the players. I mean, most of the coaches there are current college players. So I just loved it. And uh, so I started to talk to people, um, it, you know, at the camps and just kind of, you know, get to, get to know them. And, um, you know, so I actually called my old high school coach and I said, Hey, how did, you know, if I wanted to try out coaching, I wanted to see how it was, what, what would you recommend? What's the best route? Um, and you know, he, he said, just honestly volunteer somewhere and see what you can, uh, see what you can, what you can do. And if it's pumping up balls, do that. If it's, if they have something for you, awesome. Um, so the only school I could ride my bike to was Seahome high school. So, uh, I, I was fortunate enough to uh, fortunate enough to you know they they had a, a spot for me. Uh, Scott Campbell was the coach for the first two years there, so uh, he put me on as a, as an assistant and just was around him and uh, and and coached with him for two years. Then he left for Puyallup, obviously, and then uh, I got to be the JV coach with uh, AJ Labrie, who was um, he was also under Scott. So him and I got to be together for a couple of years. So just being with two different guys, two different styles. Um, you know, I kind of, and then at the same time, you got to declare your major and went into teaching. And, uh, so then after four years, uh, I, of being an assistant at home and seeing, you know, in that league, I mean, we all know that league is one of the, they have, it has some, one of the best collection of coaches in the state of Washington, I think with, uh, at that time, Roper was, was brand new up at Linden and, um, I mean, just Dave Dixon at Squalicum. I mean, it was just such high quality basketball and such good coaching. I think those guys do such a great job up there. Uh, so I think just being around that, seeing that, uh, you know, taking our taking our, our licks from Squalicum and some of those things that, uh, you know, it kind of just gets you gets you excited about coaching and what what a what a program could be, what a and what a coach can be. So that was kind of and then uh, you got married. Um, that was 2009. Was the time that you couldn't really uh, you couldn't really find a teaching job. So I kind of, we kind of made the decision that uh, we were gonna, um, we were willing to take a, a coaching job without a teaching job. Um, my wife, you know, was pretty flexible. She didn't have a job. She was flexible too. And so I took a job at Kingston High School and I had never been there, never been to the Kitsap Peninsula, uh, didn't know where it was, but uh, I remember on the, I think it was on the, the WIA site that they said, like, have some good young kids. And at that point, you know, I'd been an assistant for four years and, you know, I knew that I wasn't going to get a, you know, get a, a, a great job right away or just a job that was, you know, had a lot of people that were applying for it because I didn't play college basketball, didn't have a resume that, you know, was going to be able to uh, stand up and even get an interview. So the Kingston job I saw and I, so I took a trip over there, met with the AD, walked around and kind of got a feel for the place. And, uh, you know, I applied and they were one in 39 in their first two years as a, as a school, um, as a brand new school, but um, he did assure me they had some, they had some young talent. So uh, I, I don't, you know, I, I got the job. They didn't have a teaching job for me. So we went over there and uh, I was, I subbed for a year and, that he was he was right there was a there was a, a really good uh junior and sophomore group at the time and so fortunately you know for we were able to have a lot of success there uh, i became the all-time winningest coach there in the first two games uh because because we went two and oh i mean that's this it was a totally different scenario than i when i walked into union so um you know we had a, had a great time with those kids and they were just so eager to have coaching and eager to you know to even my you know my, my intensity at the time i think like a lot of young coaches that came in probably guns a blazing a little bit too much and, you know, a little bit too drill sergeanty. And, you know, I, I think my Kingston kids would see me now and say how soft I've gotten, but uh, they were, they were totally willing to take the coaching and they loved it. And uh, so 
I, and I had, a, we had talent for sure. I had, uh, I had two kids that were, were, uh, were both league MVPs back to back and um, two posts. So it was just, it was a really fun, fun time. And the community loved it. They were great. And so I had four years there. We went to state uh, two of the years. We won three, three league titles in the four years I was there as well. And, um, you know, so it was one of those things where I, I would have been happy. We had just bought a house. Um, you know, we, we were very, kind of getting in, you know, in the community and, uh, you know, putting our feet down. And, uh, I had a list of schools that, um, you know, 10 schools that had, were in places that we'd want to live and places you'd want to coach at, um, you know, programs, you know, so there's the whole, you know, having a family, having a wife at the time, we, you know, I mean, we, we were definitely, it was just us. So we were willing to move, um, you know, but we also wanted to be in places where we could see, you know, root, putting our roots down. So there's 10 schools I'd written down. And the only reason I, I wrote down Union is I knew they were really good. And my wife said Vancouver's a cool place. So that was one of my 10 schools. And um, I saw that Mako Hamilton had, uh, had resigned and it was in, it was in August. So it's kind of a weird time. Usually coaching jobs don't usually come open at that time. And so I, I emailed the, the principal or the contact and the, the AD and kind of went back and forth and, you know, went down for an interview. And, um, you know, I think that there was a, I think that it was a, they have a, the guy who hired me, I think wanted, took a risk, you know, he likes to take risks and, um, you know, I probably wasn't the you know, the most, I'd only had four years of being a head coach. And, um, but I think he liked some of the, some of the connections that we we made and um, just some of the ideas that I had and some of those things. And, but I also knew there was a very different scenario than coming into Kingston. I mean, uh, I have said, I still say it, that I'm just trying, I've, I've really tried not to screw union up because Mako Hamilton had that thing rolling when I was, when I got there and I just, I just didn't want to screw it up. So that was kind of a, it was a, a very different mindset going into Kingston versus going into union because I came in, you know, I followed, you know, a legend, a guy who won a state championship and who was beloved by everybody and, you know, rightfully so. And I've gotten to know Mako well, and um he's he's a good guy good good coach and so um just a little bit different scenario but fortunately we were able to uh we were able to kind of keep it we were able to keep it keep it high and, and kind of keep what he started going so that's been my journey yeah i gotta say um kind of when you got that job um that was kind of the time that i personally was looking as like jumping from an assistant into taking a job <clears throat> and then you know found out obviously Mika was leaving and for me, I was like, God, I, I don't think that's, I, I can't follow Mako. I just, you know, Mako was, Mako coached me in high school. He gave me my first look at coaching freshman at Union. And I was like, I just couldn't follow it. And you have absolutely done an amazing job because it's always hard to be that next guy to follow someone who's done success and for the success that Union has continued to have. And you know, looks to have in the future. Um, you've done an amazing job at Union. As as painful as that takes for me to say, being rivals, um, you've done a great job. Well, thanks. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, it, having the coaching staff, the continuation of the coaching staff was was huge. I mean, we we get we get talent, man, and so it's it's like I said. I think that I it, the first year was the first year wasn't wasn't easy, and you know, I think, you know, we had we won some games. We you know, maybe, we won we won the league and had 16 i think we won 16 games but it was definitely the most the most difficult year i've ever had of uh of coaching so even even then even with all that there the transition still wasn't uh was not uh, super easy but i think that second year we we they they got to know me i got to know them and you know as coaches we have to adjust we got to adjust to our kids and you know i'm sure that you guys both have you know that you had that when you you know moved 
to Mountain View JC and, you know, Connie, I'm sure that, you know, going, going to, to Graham Kapowson, you'll have the same, you know, experiences where you kind of, you kind of got to feel out the kids and see what works and what doesn't. And, you know, we'll make some mistakes and, uh, and then we'll also, you know, we'll also kind of learn and we get better too. So they gave me grace and luckily I was fortunate to, you know, to, uh, to kind of have a little, little time to figure out, the, figure out the, what I needed to do and what I, what I needed to change from, from my days at Kingston. So. Hey, Coach, what did you do to get through that tough time first year? Who did you call? Who did you get all the advice from to get through that first year? Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of it was a lot of it was my assistant, Todd Spike, who had been on staff with, with Mako before. Um, that was huge um, to be able to, you know, to be able to get him to, you know, keep he's a very positive person to, to keep his encouragement. And he had kind of said that the first year was going to be a little rough. And um, so he was somebody who really, really got me through it. Um, you know, and then, you know, I think I, I think I called, you know, some other, some other coaches around. Uh, I remember I talked to Scott Campbell. I remember cause him and I, him and I stayed close, AJ Labrie as well. And, um, I think Brian Roper and I actually talked, um, cause he was checking in on me cause, um, you know, he's, he's definitely a guy who I looked, looked to as a mentor. And, um, so just, just, uh, hear, even hearing some stories about other coaches who had tough years, I think is, is, I mean, these even, you know, great coaches around and hearing that it's not always, it's not easy for anybody sometimes. And so I think just hearing that the struggle that I was going through or, or some of the, 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 the things that, um, that I hadn't experienced before, uh, that it wasn't new and that other people go through it. So I think that was, I think that was, uh, that was really helpful in just kind of like we, we all, you know, we have, we have experiences like that as coaches and no matter what happens, you're going to, you're going to go through it. So just knowing that there was other people who, who empathized and had been through the same thing really helped. Okay. So now next question, how is it following a legend at Union? Because one of my biggest fears for me was Pat, Coach Mullen leaves ER. Am I going to follow that Hall of Famer or am I going to go go find something else? I, I chose to go find something else. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I think that my mindset when I first came in and I kind of vocalized this to the kids is that, you know, I, I, I knew there were some certain things that I wanted to have my own right away. Um, you know, whether it's policies or just the way we play or things like that, that I, I wasn't willing to compromise on and some things that I, I, I was, I was fine with and I wanted to keep the continuity, especially for the seniors. I mean, it's so hard to get a, a new, new coach your senior year, especially when, you know, uh, some of those kids had, you know, never played a lot of varsity and then they, you know, they, they, they wanted to play for Mako and then they get some random guy from Kingston, Washington, who they never heard of, you know, who they didn't have. Uh, they never they had no relationship with. So um, there were some things that I, I wanted to keep, some things I was I was fine with. You know, hey, what did Mako do before? What did you guys do before? And I, I actually think that was maybe not the best thing for me to do, because I think what the what some of the kids heard was. Um, everything's going to be the same and everything that Mako did, every, you know, is, is going to be the same. And, and then so they they kind of expected me to be Mako and and. You know, I, I can't be Mako. We have to be ourselves and we have to have our own personalities and some of those things. So, um, you know, and there were there were definitely times where, um, you know, I could I could tell that there were kids who had never really fully, you know, um, fully bought into the fact that they had a new coach and, and especially their senior year. And that was, the I think, the, the, the biggest struggle was this, it was the seniors and they wanted to play for Mako. I wasn't Mako. I can't change that. Um, you know, and, and so I, I think that luckily that we did win enough to, to keep it, you know, to keep it, uh, you know, afloat. Um, you know, I think we uh, actually think we lost to you guys, Connie, in one of our, uh, one of our, our I think our last game at, uh, at, at ER. Um, 
And uh, so anyway, so I think that was a, it, it was just one of those things where I wish I would have kind of just been myself a little more, still giving the kids grace when they were upset that, that I wasn't, you know, that I, the things were different and be understanding of that. But I think I almost like gave them the false hope that I, everything was going to be the same. And, you know, you, you can't do that as a coach. So. So you've been, you've been a head coach for a while now, um, close to 10 years, almost 11, 12 years. Yeah. So this, this is, this is my 12th. If yeah, this will be my 12th when we have a season here. So if, and, and you got the opportunity when you were young, kind of fresh out, you know, green as all can be with no clue about anything, just knew yeah. you wanted to kind of be a head coach. What's, if you could look back now at the way you kind of handled things then, I know you kind of said, you know, your, your Kingston kids would say you're soft, yeah. but um, what's one thing that you could suggest or two uh, to kind of a new coach, a young coach that's kind of coming in to kind of the same opportunity um, to kind of give them a jump start on, you know, their coaching? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I, I, the, the first thing I would say is to be, you have to be yourself. And I think that when we learn from people as coaches, and I think we've all been under somebody, um, especially when you're young, you it's easy to go, okay, that's how you coach. That's how you deal with kids. That's how you deal with confrontation. And that's the only way. So you see someone do it and then you try to emulate that. And maybe that's not your personality, or maybe that's not who you are, or maybe the way that you, um, you know, you communicate, that's not the way that you do it, but you're trying to be someone else. So I would say keep, I think there's some foundations and some principles that we all want to keep that we all have. And that's really important. But I also think being yourself and um, not trying to emulate somebody who you learn from or who you look up to. I think that that's important to, you know, to have your own personality in that. Um, you know, the second thing I would say is that I think, you know, and, and, you know, maybe, maybe the young, you know, young person today who's, you know, 21 uh, going into coaching would, would have a different mindset, but I know that mine uh, and I've talked to other people who had the exact same experiences. I think, uh, you know, when you are young being a coach um, you know, whether you're a JD freshman or, or a head coach, I think you, we want to assert ourselves and we want to show that we're a coach and we want to um, kind of even separate ourselves from, you know, from the, the, the students. So I think it's easier from the student athletes. So I think it's easy to kind of, you know, come in a little bit too hard. And, and I think that I, you know, understanding that each kid is different, each family situation is different. I think about a couple of the, you know, the disciplinary acts I did um, where, you know, now that I know like, man, that kid was probably going through something that I had no clue about when he was late to practice. So suspending him for a game was probably not the best thing that, you know, that I could have done. And, um, you know, going through just a different process, being less, um, you know, just kind of getting to know each kid and understanding that each kid is different. And, you know, you, we need to hold the kids to the same standards, but the way that I'm going to talk and interact with one kid um, based on who he is, his personality, how he's best coached is going to be different than the next. So I think that's something that I, you know, as, as a young coach, I definitely didn't have that, uh, have that understanding. Well, let me piggyback off that. Uh, the, the second thought you had there, you know, with not knowing exactly what the kid, you know, might've woken up to that morning you know, what they dealt with before they got to school, what they dealt with at school, and maybe probably shouldn't have suspended them for that game. But they're still doing things that are warranting some type of discipline. Yeah. You know, but to what level or what length do you do that? How do you how would you balance that now with not losing kind of the rest of the team or program, but to let the kid know like, hey, like that's not what we do. Yeah. And I think that's such a, that's such a hard question and a good question that we always, we need to ask ourselves as coaches, right? Like, you know, you don't want to, cause 
I think there's on one side, there's, you know, like I said, I was at the beginning where I was, you know, very black and white and this is how it is. This is the rule. I'm not going to ask. I'm not going to hear about your excuse and some of those things that, that we say. But then on the other hand, if you're letting too, too many things go, that's going to, that's going to cause a huge issue in the locker room. Um, you know, where, you know, you're, letting one kid and maybe because of whatever reason, maybe he's one of the best players and, and we're letting him do what he wants without any consequences. Um, so I, I think the biggest thing that you can do is just, is, is the, if there's a culture of um, accountability from the players as well, I think kids don't want to let the coach down, but I really think kids don't want to let their teammates down. So I think sometimes, um, sometimes having that talking about those ahead of time, that can be the best way to get rid of those things. And, and that's something I just kind of had like a rule sheet. Here it is. Um, whereas now we talk a lot about, you know, our, our, we have our core covenants that we talk about all the time. And so I think some of those things alleviate those issues. Um, you know, but I, but I do think it, it is important to still, to still instill, um, you know, your values as, as, as a coach and as a team and, um, you know, to not, I think kids are aware of showing favoritism and some of those things. And they, they know if you're letting somebody off when, when, you know, when they, uh, when they probably, you know, shouldn't be. So um, I think it's just probably the way that you do it and, and, you know, talking behind closed doors and some of those things that, um, that can be, you know, when you're really, the kid still understands that you care about them as, as a person when you're, when you are disciplining, whether it's suspending them for a game or not. But um, I just think, I think it's, it's the way that you talk to them, I think can be really, can be really powerful and, and can actually in the end help your relationship with, with the kid. Hey Blake, what is the what is the secrets of uh, success for you guys at Union? Um, gosh, well, kind of like I said, I think I think it's you know, I mean, we get really good players. We really do. Like, there's there's not a there's rarely been times you know, especially you know in our league and in down here where I look and I say, man, we are just undermatched. We got to figure out how to. You know, I mean, you know, there'll be there might be players like you know, like gosh, Caden Perry, and, we, and we've definitely lost games down here. But I, I, you know, having good players really helps. But uh, the thing that I would say is the carryover of and and culture is such a buzz, buzzword now. Everybody talks about culture, but I think the carryover that we've been able to have, dating back to you know, dating back to Mako, but um, I think my second year is when I really started. The culture became kind of mine, and and kind of those things that the kids, you know, the kids took ownership is. We talk about these things as coaches where we say, you know, we want kids to, you know, we want kids to do certain things or we want it to be a certain way. We want practice to look a certain way. But until they've actually seen that, then it's an abstract concept for kids. So I think the benefit that the thing that we've had at Union is that we've had great senior leadership who are like bought in. So then the juniors and sophomores, those young kids they get to see what it looks like. They get to see how to have success. And, and I think that our seniors have really taken ownership of that. So then the next year when those guys leave, they might, they're great players like Cameron Cranston and guys like that. But then all of a sudden the next wave of seniors, they say, Hey, you know, I, I'm not Cameron Cranston, but I can lead like him and I can hold people accountable and I can work like him and I can prepare like him. And it just kind of, that's, that's what I think I, I've kind of noticed that over the years is that, we kind of just have guys step up and, you know, I'll have coaches say, man, I thought you guys were going to be down this year. And um, it's like, I think the, the culture, once it gets going and, and it, it kind of, it kind of creates itself for the next year, but it's hard when you don't have that first group of, of seniors or first group of kids that have success both on the court and with, and with your, with your culture, with your covenants, whatever, whatever you have, because then it, it, again, it just becomes this abstract concept and the kids are more likely to, you know, think about themselves or worry about other things besides the team. And, um, but once it, once you've seen it, that's, once you've seen it, then the kids know what, it, know what to do. And we've had the benefit of having great kids like that, where year after year, they're able to, able to continue that. 
let's go ahead and take our first time out here and talk about uh, one of our first sponsors, one of our main sponsors. Uh, Whipco would like to thank Bodden for being the official game ball and supporter of the Washington Interscholastic Basketball Association for more than a decade. Bodden is committed to developing and producing the highest quality products in sports and is driven by what is right for athletes. A Washington family-owned company that supports basketball in their backyard, Bodden, perform better. Um, no, I think, and it's such a, a great point that you make with um, about your seniors, and it just has to carry down. And I think it's always, you know, one of the hardest things to find a senior group that can kind of start that for you. And, you know, there's so many, I think, different agendas with sports and high school sports and, you know, things. And it's really, you know, to find a group that can create that for you is an amazing thing. And it just kind of snowballs from there. So, um, so we're, you know, five minutes away from each other. Um, our high schools are what, so this is maybe a little jab into seeing what I can steal from you, but, uh, what, uh, what do you do? What do you do with the youth program? I know we both have kind of had, you know, the Titan select program and we've had a few thunder select programs and different things. But one of the things I noticed I struggle, you know, that's hard in the city is, you know, boundary exceptions, kids can kind of go where they want, you know, what do you do with your youth program? And then do you kind of find it, you know, just through parents? Do you try to run, you know, select stuff? You know, what do you do? Yeah. So, when, I mean, that's something that I had a complete, I thought it was going to be completely different when I got down here. I thought they'd have a, a Titan select program. I, I was like, okay, who's the fourth grade Titans, the fifth grade. I thought there'd be teams that were lined up. And, and uh, I realized when I got down here that it wasn't in place. And, and it, the irony is I kind of thought, I think that's probably one of the reasons why the interview committee um, was high on me is because I'm like, Hey, I just got a, a youth program at Kingston and we, here's what we're doing. We're having our, you know, we have our Scott Ornest was great. And he actually helped me set up my Kingston uh, team, you know, the youth program. And so I'm like, Hey, I'm going to get a youth program here. They don't have a, they don't have one going. And then the first year I did it, I kind of realized why Mako didn't have one. And that was because it's really hard in a place like Vancouver that is, you know, that we're five minutes from you guys. We're five minutes from Evergreen. We're, you know, five minutes from Heritage. I mean, it's just everybody's so close. And then we're also 20 minutes from Portland. So the kids, a lot of the kids grow up, they want to play with other with other kids from other schools and they want to go play in Portland. They want to play with Portland kids, you know, so doing a Titan select program takes, uh, it, it was, I, I started like to do it my first year or two. And, you know, I would have a fifth grade tryout and the fifth grade kids that came were terrible. I mean, they, they were not good basketball players because the, the good ones were all playing on other teams. So, I mean, I remember I had, I had a, I think coach Gruler at Skyview texted me and he said, well, our sixth graders just beat yours by 50, um, you know, making a joke or something. And, and uh, I said, well, honestly, none of those kids are going to be union basketball players. So it's just it was one of those things where we were kind of wasting resources and wasting time. And, um, you know, so I, I but then that same group that same year, I think two years, you know, two years later that there was an eighth grade group and a dad reached out to me. Hey, I have six kids that are all going to be union Titans. Like, can we can we be, a, you know, do you want is there anything you can help us with? And so I said, sure, absolutely. So I think that's kind of where I've where I've gone and that's not where I, I thought I would, but it's just so hard to do that. So when the, you know, I, I we do a, we do a, a Titan uh, summer camp, like, like most schools have done, but um, I think because of my NBC camp background and 
you know, some of those union, just, you know, having the facilities that we have, I've been able to have a ton of kids to that. So I think that, and that's a way that we've kind of made connections with, um, with the kids uh, that are, you know, going to be Titans. So I think that's one that I think that's kind of how I, a couple teams have naturally come about where, Hey, there's six, there's six fifth graders. They're all in the union boundary. Do you guys want to play together? And so we've kind of done that, but yeah, I thought, you know, for, for a place like, you know, like union, I, I, I thought that we'd be able to have a youth feeder program, but I've kind of, kind of come to realize that's, that's how it is. And, um, you know, we do our camps and, you know, kind of make connections with the kids in our boundaries. But besides that, that's about, it's about all I've, I've done. Hey, can you talk about your assistants that have great impact on your program? Oh yeah. So, I mean, I've, uh, one of the Todd spike is, uh, my, he's, he was my varsity assistant and, uh, this will be the, he was Mako's varsity assistant from day one. Um, I mean, he's a guy, he was offered the job. He was offered the head job at union twice, turned it down twice. Um, I actually think he accepted the job for, uh, I think it was like 24 hours when Mako first resigned, but, uh, coach spike, he just knows, he knows what he's really good at. He knows where he wants to be. And that's an assistant coach. And um, so when I first got there, he was an assistant there. And then uh, Gary Mills, who is now our girls coach, and he was there too. And they were both under Mako for many years. Um, so that was just huge to have them. They Kids love them. They're great basketball minds, great people. So to have them, it really helped the transition when I first got there. Um, and then Gary actually, um, he went to the girls' side twice. So uh, he, at one point, his daughter was was in the girls' program. So he jumped over to the girls. Uh, and then he came back to be my my assistant, uh, my JV coach again. Um, and, I mean, he was – when he's coaching JV, he's the most overqualified JV coach in in, in the state. I mean, he was, he's amazing. And so when I had him as the uh, JV coach and, and then coach – Spike, who was Mako's right-hand man for, you know, for seven years, then he was mine, mine for, you know, seven years. It was uh, really fortunate to have those guys, um, not only from, you know, a, an X's and O's standpoint, which they're both, you know, they're both amazing at, um, but from a standpoint of just knowing, loving union, loving the culture, um, being kid magnets, Spike and I balanced each other out so well. Um, you know, he knows how to, he knows, he knows when he needs to be, you know, the extra good cop and some of those things. So, you know, I mean, it's, it, it is so critical to have good assistance. I think it's, it's really important. And, um, and, you know, and, and coach Spike is, is he left uh, this year first time he's ever not been a, not been a, a union boys assistant. He has a daughter who's going through the girls program. And so he's, he's jumping over to the girls with, so now both those guys are on the girls side. And, um, but I have two guys who have been with me for, um, four and four and five years, uh, Jeff Connor and Everett Clote. And, um, I, I think, I think they do an awesome job and, um, very loyal, very, um, attention to detail. So, um, kind of a new era without Todd Spike. It'll be the, one of the first, uh, one of the first times. And I know the other coaches are probably going to be excited to not see him over there. Cause I mean, the, the guy's really good, but I think we got a good staff and, um, the continuity I think is, is really important from year to year. Uh, when you have an assistant coach, when you have assistant coaches that are consistent, um, I know that's that's something that you know really it really helps um, both both the coaches and the players. Yeah, funny, you know, Mills Mills has got a plethora of experience, and it's an understatement to say he's the most overqualified JV coach. You know, from head coaching days at Evergreen and all that stuff. It's funny because he'll text my he texts my assistant coach one time, my JV coach said, "Hey, I." what'd you do against Battleground that night, their JV team? I'm, I'm trying to create a scouting report. I've never met anybody that creates a scouting report for a JV team, but that's just that's just who he is. And Todd Spikes, that's that's a winner. I mean, that's, that's, that's A1, as the kids would say. 
Um, he would coach me in high school as well. And so I still talk to him, you know, kind of on a regular basis. Um, so let me, let's circle back to kind of the beginning. Um, you had three league titles in four years um, at Kingston, um, two league MVPs, and then you, you come down to Union and what is it, eight straight league titles? Uh, I think last year made nine. I think this, yeah, I think last year made nine, I believe. Uh, consistently, you know, contenders for a state title. Um, year in, year out, your name's up there and, you know, in the talks. And what what's the hardest thing year to year to keep the expectations that it's, I mean, it, it's essentially state tournament or bust. Yeah. Um, you know, for without, you know, for lack of better words or terms, but what do you guys do year in, year out to stay at that level? Well, I think the, I mean, you know, like, like I said, having good players really helps and having the continuity really helps. But I I think the thing that I try to get across to the kids, um, especially the ones who, you know, maybe make varsity as a sophomore, or they were on the team last year as a junior is for them to kind of reset their minds and, understand how hard it was the year before or how hard it was even if they're new to the program how hard it was for the team before them and what they did because i think it's easy to you know to say that we're union and this is our you know we have union on our jersey and, and we kind of we see that sometimes they usually it's at like the freshman level where they the kids walk out with a union jersey and they think that they're better than the other team or whatever so i, I think that the thing that but at the varsity level, what I want them to understand from year to year is when we restart, it's a complete restart. And it's special every time you win a league championship. And it's special every time you get to the state tournament. And although, yes, it's it's awesome when it's a regular thing and we want that to be a regular thing. I also want them in the moment to enjoy it and understand how hard it is and how special it is um, because I don't want it to become where, oh, this is just normal. We do that. And, and there's a difference, I think, between enjoying it. Um, and then taking it for granted. And I, I really want them to, to enjoy it, but also um, have, you can expect it and you can enjoy it at the same time. And you can, you can be, um, you know, you can be thankful that you, you got those, those opportunities because, you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of programs and, you know, a lot of coaches that don't get to go to the state tournament uh, or haven't been in the state tournament for a long time. And it's, it is a special thing. So I just want them to, even though, you know, the kids who do get to go two or three years who have gone two or three years, I want them to really understand how special it is and just to enjoy it and not just uh, assume that this is, that it's, you know, just normal. Absolutely. Um, so how do you in union Titan basketball program, what's, what's the, relationship uh maybe more so communication levels how do you handle manage parents of your players and the program yeah that's uh that's the old the, the hardest question you can ask a coach or um well for one i mean i i'll say straight up is that i think when you win like we have it does make things easier it, it's hard for parents to email you and say, you need to be playing my, my son, otherwise you'd be winning when, when you have a winning. So I think I've been very, you know, I've, I've had to avoid some of that stuff. The thing that I do, uh, you know, we do a parent meeting really early in the season and I tell them, this is my expectations for your players, your sons. Um, this is your expectations for the coaches. This is what you can expect from me. Uh, this is my role as a player, as a coach. This is your son's role as a player. And then also, this is your role as a parent, and this is what you can do. This is what you need to do. 
and you know, I can't control anybody, but this is what I highly suggest you do to have the best experience that you can, you know, this year. So I think this doing, I think communicating early on that, um, I think there's a line with coaches and maybe you guys have, I'm sure you guys have experienced this is, uh, I think there's, there's, you know, the, the coach who says, I'm not talking to parents. I'm not going to look at parents. I'm not going to have any interactions with parents. I don't think that's the way to go about it these days. Um, at least for my clientele. Um, but I also think the parent who the coach who gets overly involved or even overly communicative, I think you can, you can communicate too much sometimes because you got to realize, you know, I, I tell the, I tell the coaches like, I don't, somebody described it. Uh, you haven't, and, and I just became a parent two years ago. I have an irrational love for my son. I do not have an irrational love for your for your son, so I'm going to treat them, you know, differently. I I, I don't have the goggles that you have, um, so I think just kind of letting them understand that um, that they have a bias toward their son, and that's okay to have, but it's also it's not okay, um, you know, to you know to to try to you know to mess with the chemistry or um, to approach it in in a negative way, and and you, you're still going to get it. You know, I mean, I, we've been we've been undefeated, and I've got emails and and got bad you know bad uh, reviews or whatever it is from parents sometimes, and it's going to happen. But I think just you know communicating early, um, and then finding that line wherever that is with your players, wherever you're comfortable, where you're not, um, or with your parents, where you're involved, where they you feel approachable, but also you're not get you know you're not so approachable that you're getting that text right after the game. Uh, you know, from a parent and they, they think that they can, you know, tell you, tell you what you did wrong that day. So, um, you know, that's kind of what I've done. That is, you know, how I've approached it and my mindset. And uh, we've had amazing parents recently too. I mean, you know, since I've been here really, um, you know, so I've been very fortunate and the horror stories I hear from other coaches, it's, uh, it's definitely something that I've been fortunate to avoid and it's nothing I've done. I just think it's kind of been one of those things that, you know, you get, you get lucky sometimes and I've got pretty fortunate. Hey Blake. So now the season's over. So what are you doing? What does coach do to relax? Oh gosh. Well, the nice thing is that, you know, usually spring break is right, right around the, the corner. So my wife really likes to travel. Um, you know, so we, we enjoy traveling together, whether it's just, you know, dipping down to sun river, uh, for a weekend, you know, we've gone to Disney world more times than I'm willing to admit on a coaching podcast. <laughs> you know, uh, Hawaii has been, has been a, a fun one. So we like to do that together. Um, you know, I, I like to read. I'm, I'm, I'm an English teacher and, and, uh, I'm nerdy and like to read, but, uh, and then recently it's just been hanging out with my son and that's what with quarantine, like it's, it's, it's been different. We're back in school now and my son is still adjusting to me being gone all the time. I had a year with him. I mean, we all had, we had a year, you know, with where I wasn't, wasn't leaving. So, uh, really hanging out with my son, hanging out with my two-year-old has, has been, uh, has been the, the, the most popular answer there. So. What are your, what books have you read in quarantine? Give me three. Cause I know you got about three. Oh gosh. Okay. So I've been, I've been doing a lot of, this is embarrassing, but I'm doing a lot of like murder mystery. I feel like that, that's not a good answer. Um, I did start to read uh, and I have it, I, I have it here somewhere, but uh, I did start to read John Wooden's autobiography, which is, which is really good. The one, uh, it was the one that Seth Davis wrote. So that's, that's been a good one. Um, I re I don't usually reread books. Um, but I reread a couple. Um, one of the books that uh, one of the books that I just read, um, I'm drawing a blank embarrassingly right now. Um, but uh, I reread a couple books, which I never do. But I, I got into like I got into murder mysteries a lot, um, you know, like Girl on the Girl on in Cabin Ten, and some of those ones that are just like you just want to like escape and get away, and um, you know. So not I wish I wish I had like I wish I was reading some you know amazing. 
uh, amazing books that were uh, that were uh, a lot more better for you. But I kind of did a lot of dessert reading. Um, you know, that's kind of the I think the, the wife in the, the wife in the attic is what I'm reading right now. So uh, again, kind of that get away from it, escape uh, escape reality kind of uh, kind of books. All right, uh, top moment in coaching basketball at Union or Kingston. That's great. Yeah. Great question there. So I'm, I think I got to go um, because of the crowd, because of the atmosphere, Cam Cranston hit a, um, hit a three pointer at the buzzer uh, in the regional game to beat a very, very good Bellarmine prep team with Malachi Flynn. And uh, it would have been, it would have been the worst moment because we were, I think we we're up 15 with three and a half left and Malachi Flynn just took over and we were turning the ball over it was an absolute disaster the battleground gym was absolutely packed and uh malachi hit a shot to tie it up of course with 20 seconds um we come down and then and then cam uh, ended up hitting a a buzzer beating three-pointer uh to go to the state tournament the crowd just runs out of the uh, of the stands and it was mostly our crowd since it was close and that moment was just amazing so i have to go with that one all right, this one's gonna this one's gonna put you on the spotty spot. Sure. Uh, starting five from Union, best ever starting five. Ooh. Okay, so I have to go. That's it's we actually talk. Coach Spike and I do this all the time. Uh, so I have to go with the ones I can't. I can't say the great Jordan Chapman, and I can't go Taylor Nelson. Some of those guys who are uh, Tanner Nelson. I can't go with some of those guys who I didn't coach. Um, so I'm going to go with, you know, I have to go with Tanner Toulson, who was just the uh, Mr. Basketball for the state of Washington. Um, I'm going to have to go. He's, he's going to play the, he's going to play the four Riley Hawken, uh, who was, uh, who was a, an absolute stud for us. Um, and he, I'm going to put him at the five. He, he, he just got done playing at Western Oregon a couple of years ago. Uh, Cam Cranston is going to play the three. Uh, this is, and this is where it gets tricky. Uh, I'm going to go Micah Paulson. Uh, is going to play the two. Micah was an amazing, uh, had an amazing senior year. And he's one of the kids that actually, it's a great story. I had a, you know, he was one of the ones who, he wasn't a big fan uh, of, of you know, Blake Conley's, his, uh, his junior year when I first got hired. And um, him and I had a good, good senior year together. And he really, he was the difference, one of the big differences. Um, and I'm going to put him at the point because I can't forget about uh, my guy, Dennis Karachinko, who was a 6'6". Uh, six six stud who set the uh, the rebounding record and shot forty two percent from three or something like that. So that's I got to go with those guys. He played it. He's he's playing a Corbin right now and finishing up. So I got to go. That's that's the starting five. And Tyler Combs is right off the bench. He's right there, ready to sub in the first sub. I got to give him a, a shout out too. But uh, I mean, man, we've had some. It just shows how good of players we've had. That's uh, that's a good that's a good five. Yeah, you guys have had a hell of a run of talent and players and. Um, that was that was shocking to me at year five. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure I left somebody out, man. I'm sure there's I'm sure there's somebody who I who I left out that. Um, all right, so okay, I'm gonna go ahead and put you back on the spot again. Yes. Um, so two parter. Best coach you've coached against. Oh, that's a that is a great question. I'm gonna probably cheat and say a, a few. Um, but I, I would say I'll go with um, – I, I think I was so impressed and from afar because I only coached against it one time. But Kefri Fazio was uh, 
Absolutely. I thought what he did at West Seattle in that league was so impressive. We got to play them one time and we actually had an overtime game. It was a great game with them. We, we lost on a Nate Pryor step back at the buzzer. Uh, but he, I just the way that he ran that program in that, in that league was so impressive. Uh, what Brian, Brian Roper, uh, we played them in the sem- We played Linden in the semifinals one year and I thought we had a shot to get them and they were so stacked, but I thought we had, I thought we were a bad matchup for them. Maybe and in the semifinals of the state tournament, they were up 38 to nine at halftime and they just picked us apart. They were ready for everything. I mean, he was, they were amazing and he was so prepared. Um, and we ended up winning the third place game the next game, but he just, they just tore us apart. Uh, and then a guy, you know, a guy who I've loved going against, you know, I, I is every year down here is I think Matt Grueler does a great job at Skyview and um, him and I, you know, it's, it's fun. We're, we're, we're friends, but also we have that, um, we have that rivalry and, you know, going against him, you got to be ready for Sky because I, I know Matt's going to watch every single film of ours and, and know everything that we're going to do. And so that's, that's kind of fun to to go against somebody like that. When, when you know that they're going to do, they're going to be absolutely prepared. I'm, I definitely elevate, you know, the way that I approach that game. Cause I know he's going to be, he's going to be ready for it. All right. So let's move to the other side and the best, you know, you just listed off a starting five. That's unreal. Yes with players that could easily be on there as well but who's the best player and i don't care how you you know justified or classified the player being but who's the best player you've coached that's a really tough one um i mean it's so fresh but the way the what tanner toolson did um last year for us and even his junior year he was so good i i have to say I have to say Tanner, I think, um, you know, I mean, his numbers were amazing. His leadership was amazing. And it doesn't mean that Cam Cranston and Riley Hawken weren't, uh, those are the two, three guys to come to mind, but um, just what Tanner was able to do and his passion and love for union and the culture. And I mean, he was like another coach out there. And, um, but just, I mean, he just did things that, you know, I, you just couldn't, you couldn't, uh, you, you couldn't teach, um, you know, his pedigree, his dad played in the NBA. So that definitely, uh, that definitely played into it. And there was times where we just, you know, watched him and we just look at each other and go, wow, did he just do that? So yeah, I, Tanner has to be, I think the best that I've coached since I've been in the union. And I, so let's touch on Tanner himself. And, and, and I don't want to just single out one player of your program, but Tanner's got a very unique, uh, path through the program. Mm-hmm. Um, a guy that's Mr. Washington and, you know, BYU and all this, all these accolades, but talk about the, cause I, I think it's great for younger coaches um, as well as younger players. If they're out there listening to this um, talk about Tanner's path through union um, through the Titan program. So he, uh, he, enrolled as an eighth grader in our, in, at, you know, our middle school. And, um, you know, and I, I heard, Hey, eighth grader whose dad played in the NBA just enrolled at Pacific. And so you get excited. And then I see the kid and he's, you know, five foot three or something looked very small and lanky. And, um, he just, he, you could tell that he was going to grow, but then, um, you know, freshman year, I think we ended up putting three kids on JV that year, three freshmen on JV. And he wasn't one of them. Um, he was just super slow and we thought that he would just would benefit from playing C team. Um, and you know, a lot of kids don't like to do that, especially when their peers are playing at the, you know, playing up and that's a big thing. I'm sure you guys have experienced that, you know, at, at your schools as well. And it's, it's, uh, 
but it, it's something that I kind of, I knew, you knew dad based on talking to him, dad kind of said, he'll be a late bloomer. Um, so then his so- sophomore year, he grew a little bit. I think he was like six foot, six foot one, maybe. And, um, he played JV and he wasn't even the JV MVP. You know, I mean, he was, he was a solid player. He's, I mean, really, I remember watching one game, but I remember this moment and I remember looking at, you know, I think it was Gary Mills. And I said, uh, I said, Hey, is he going to ever be a varsity player? Like I, he was just so slow and, and just didn't, didn't have that fast twitch or explosiveness or anything. And I said, you know, maybe as a shooter, maybe as just a kid, you, you know, run a couple three point plays for him and got to get him out. And, um, and then his junior year, he shows up to open gym um, and he had a decent summer his junior year, but he showed up to open gym and he starts dunking and you're just, we're kind of looking going, Oh my gosh, this kid, this kid could be something. And um, just looked like a completely different human being, you know, the, you know, boys, I mean, we all, we all see it, uh, you know, where one year uh, one or one picture, you look at team pictures and you go, wow, from this year to this year, this kid really grew. And um, you know, sometimes that's fresh from this to, to sophomore or sophomore to junior. And, uh, I mean, Tanner just for his junior year of summer just became a different person. And, um, you know, and then he was all, all league, all region as a, uh, as a, uh, a junior. Um, but he wasn't even on varsity as a sophomore. And that usually doesn't happen. Usually kids, I think sometimes, you know, will will be on varsity, but, uh, really cool. And then his senior year, the kid just put in a ton of time and a ton of work and was able to, you know, was able to have a, a you know, a great season. He, I mean, he also, he would say this too. He benefited from having, we were, we were very, very good last year. I think it was the best team I've ever had. And uh, the guys around him, um, you know, especially when Brad Lackey was healthy. I mean, that was just, they, it, it was such a good team and it fit his, his strength so well. So. Yeah. I, I just, I love, I love that story because I think nowadays, especially with the kids in the generation that we are, it's gotta be the instant gratification. Um, and, you know, he could have easily, oh, well, I know I'm going to be better than this, and I got three guys on JV that I play with. I'm going to transfer because I can go play somewhere else. I mean, he could have easily done that, and he didn't. He stuck it out, um, and, you know, he enjoyed the fruits of the labor and, you know, put in the work and then had the success that uh, he did and uh, kind of helped, I think, even elevate your program to a whole other level, you know, moving forward, so – So Blake, last question I have for you. We're we're in phase three now. Have you already started planning? You know, I think like that's a I think like everybody at the beginning of the quarantine, I think so many of us coaches, when the quarantine first happened, we were we were listening to coaching podcasts, we were reading coaching books, we were looking into how to, you know, what to change. And then I kind of went through this a big lull where it's like, I don't want to over prepare. I think, you know, you can do that too much. Um, and, and so recently I've been, I have been looking a little bit into, you know, how, what we're going to do. And I, I think now it's going to be, I think for all coaches, we're going to say, what, what can we do during this time without a summer, without, you know, doing anything. I mean, we have these new teams, um, whether you're at a new school like UConn or, or, you know, like, you know, with JC and I who know what we have, but also, um, you know, we just, it's a new team. I had eight seniors last year, so it's, I don't know what I can do. I'm, I'm worried that I'm going to over overcoach or, or there's the other side where you just, you know, let's do what we did last year, but I, I just don't know where that, where the middle ground lies and how much time are we going to have for practice to before our first game where we get to feel out our teams. And so um, I, I feel like I have a lot of tools. I just don't know how to use them and I don't know how many to use. I think that's kind of where I'm at right now, Connie. So, uh, so the answer is I have been kind of preparing, but I just don't know. I still don't know what, even you know, with the awesome news today, I don't know what I'm preparing for um, and how 
you know, how much time I, I have to prepare. So we'll kind of see, and as the you know schedule comes out and how many practices we get and what that's going to look like. And, um, you know, I'm excited, but I also, I mean, I think it's, we, you know, it's the first, it's, it's a new, new thing for all of us, right? Like we haven't right. coached in the spring and we haven't coached under these circumstances. So I think we're all going to kind of be figuring this out and seeing what works and what, what, uh, what doesn't. So last thing, thank you for coming on. Number one. Hey, I hope to see you this summer. I'm going to call PK and get you into Curtis Slam and see if I can schedule Friday night so I can take a meeting. Great tournament, man. It's a great tournament. I love that one. Or we'll play at Billy back from this tournament down to War to Border. Uh, I, I look forward to playing. Those like, are two staples, man. Those are two I can staples. learn a lot from you. I, I can throw it out there. You could also just come down to the Titanic Clash and you can, you know, take two whoopings. Two birds with one stone. There you go. Well, maybe from one guy. I know. You know, you, you might be Blake. It's okay. <laughs> no, uh, Blake, man, I appreciate you coming on. Um, you know, and I know it's, you know, weird times, but, you know, we got great news this uh, today in the state. And um, I'm excited. Have you guys started Open Gym? I know our district uh, kind of approved it. You know, how, yeah. how Open Gym's gone? You know, what what's your thoughts, you know, after a few weeks? Yeah, a couple, I think two and a half weeks now of open gym. And I think, I think it's just cool to see kids playing five and five. It was literally a year um, before, you know, it's like a, a, almost a whole calendar year before we had kids from when we had kids playing five and five, you know, last February, getting ready for state. And then, you know, now it's open gym of very bad basketball, but it was just cool to see. It's cool to see the excitement and without the regulations, besides the mask, obviously um, it was cool to see that and it'll be cool to it'll be you know exciting to see kids just you know their excitement and their you know something that they also thought they wouldn't have so um yeah i mean it's the basketball is terrible and you know kids learning how to play with masks and all that stuff but i just think there's just a little bit of like hey we're we're gonna all appreciate this so much more having you know having had the year that we just had so thank you guys so much for having me on i appreciate it this is great what you guys are doing for you know, for coaches. And, and I think, uh, I think this is, this is, uh, this is a, a cool, cool idea. And uh, I'm excited to, you know, to listen to future ones of, of guests you guys have on. Appreciate it. Well, everybody, that's Union High School head coach, Blake Conley. Um, appreciate you coming on. Connie, I will once again, appreciate you co-hosting with me. Um, if you guys are interested, you are a coach out there in the state and you want to go ahead and, um, jump on, uh, reach out to us, um, reach out to me through, um, email. You could reach out on Twitter, uh, coach Alexander five, love to get you on the calendar. I've got a full packed calendar coming up. Uh, great coaches all around. Um, but please, please hit subscribe, uh, follow, share, um, tell a friend to tell 10 friends and, uh, let's grow exactly what we got going on here and promote the great coaches that we have in the state of Washington. You guys have a wonderful night and uh, take care. We'll see you next time.